And you're just like, yeah! Wait. Hello? I should probably get closer to it. Oh, boy. Hello, this is Divina's. Divina's? Divina's of the show. <laughs> We've won. The Veners of the show. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, uh, uh. Welcome back to 92.5 New Metal, where it's all Nickelback, Theory of a Dead Man, Hinder, and Creed all the time. Next up, Breaking Benjamin. Oh, I just want to feel sad. <laughs> Give me sadness. You've already got it. Benjamin, you're doing you're 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 doing great, really. Honestly, I don't know why you're so upset all the time. Like you you have so many fans and you've sold so many albums. Honestly, you could retire right now, and and you probably should. I just I just need to go home and write this in my diary of Jane. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was not a good one. That's all right. That's all right. We're uh, tired. We have kids, and uh, they they exhaust yeah. us mightily. Yeah. Can if. So if you're their parents, please come pick them up. I yeah, am so seriously. tired of watching them. I've been dealing with these kids for years, and I've never, I never—I don't even know their names at this point. You know, I've just been, you know, putting up with it. I put a stamp on one of their heads. Which is then, which is fine because you haven't bathed them ever. I don't know why I put an apple on it, but they told me to. Yeah. They're telling me to do this. <laughs> I don't. I'm not on point tonight, guys. I'm, I apologize. That's all right. That's all right. It's okay. Um, you guys are patient with us. Yeah. I think. Thank you. For Suddenly, being everybody unsubscribes, never listens to another episode. Yeah. And that's okay. We'll just talk to the void. The void is our friend, the void is our master. Yeah, the that void, was... the void incurs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Okay. Special guest appearance by the void just then. Yeah. Thank you, void. Also, uh, a band that plays on new metal. <laughs> The Void. The Void. Oh, that's a perfect band name. Uh, on, if that's not already a band, let's make a band, dude. Another well, band. We, yeah, we made another band last episode. We, we do make a band. I don't know. We've made a band in real life before. I'm saying we we do. Uh, so I'm not I'm not going to just totally call this guy out, but there's a guy that I met. His last name is Cushionberry, and I thought, my gosh, the Cushionberries is the best band name I've heard in my entire life. Just picture it. It's Nick. And the cushion berries. Or it's cushion the berries. Cush and the berries, dude. <laughs> dude, it's perfect. You got cush, you pull in all the stoners yeah. for this, and the berries, all the vegans. What if it what if it's uh what if it's a, a it's like the cranberries, right? But it's like a cover band, so it's just cranberries songs. Right? Oh. But you do it to a reggae beat. Zombie. Because it's cushion the berries. Zombie, zombie. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'd be hilarious. Somebody, um, if we don't do that, somebody should do that. Please make Cushion the Berries or the person named Cushionberry. Yeah. You start the band. Yeah. Mr. Cushionberry. Mr. Cushionberry, I have a proposal. <laughs> Just hear me out. I've already taken all the credit. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Zeitgeist Podcast. Um, my name's Nick. My name is Greg. And we're going to be talking um, about some stuff today. Uh, so, so, Greg, I've got a story for you. I'm I'm ready. I love it. I'm holding my iPad here. I'm enthralled already. And I've got it pulled up, but this one isn't really conspiracy theory. It's just it's I think it's it's fitting cuz we're in the month of October now. And Is this a creepy pasta? No. Okay. Those are all I was going to say there's plenty of podcasts thick. doing that. Yes, yeah, so there's plenty of podcasts reading I've already talked about the No Sleep podcast before. I haven't listened to them forever, but they're great. Wait, they did they did they interview you? You did like a No. I, they did not interview me. Thought, well, oh, I thought you said I've talked with the No Sleep podcast before. I have. Like, I've talked with them back and forth on Twitter before. Oh, I see. Well, we should get on there for, you know, like, Dude, we, can, we can read a story or, or two or five. We can. We can do that as a special episode. But no, I want to do it on their podcast. They need to call us. No Dude. Sleep podcast. Have your people call our people. I'm, We're available. Dude, they're huge now. They're like really? one of the top horror podcasts. They All have, the more reason that we should be on it. Do you know who's on it now? It's like they have celebrity narrators. Um, What's his name? Jace, James McAvoy. Wait, seriously? Yeah, he's one of the narrators. What? Yeah. That's crazy. I think so. I could be wrong. Um, But I really, I think he's been a guest um, reader a few times. Has James Earl Jones ever done it? I'll listen to anything James Earl Jones says. He's just got that voice. Why am I forgetting who that is? Mufasa. 
Oh my god, I'm yeah, such dude. an idiot. And also in the Sandlot, he and he's Darth Vader, right? That's Darth and Vader. he was Darth Vader, yeah. Yeah. James Earl Jones, oh my man. God. I, I'm hoping that there's some audiobook out there. I don't even care if it's a dictionary, but just like an audiobook of James Earl Jones that I can just listen to at any given time. A little yes. James Earl Jones in my pocket. Ah, uh, you know? just a little one. Just a tiny James Earl you Jones. Pull him out, but he's so small, he actually sounds like... Yeah, no, that would be a mistake. Yeah. The voice is really the best part. Or it's still so... I'm, actually, I'm sure he has a sparkling personality. I'm sure he's a wonderful sure person. He's a nice guy. But as far as I know... Um, voice. Yes, the voice is soothing like butter. Anyway, I yeah. gotta read this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Long. So, month of October. Month of October, and I've got a mystery here for you. A mystery? Because this one is real. This is a real story. It's not like a minesweeper, but I'm, I'm gonna read you like a weird mystery that happened. Um, and this recently came back into... the. This person wrote an article about this February, but this happened back in the 70s. But it's been mm. going on for a long time. And this is like, this is all true as far as we know. Well, these are real events. It's just very, okay. they're not like, it's like an, uns, it's like a unsolved true crime type of thing. Oh. It's like an unsolved mystery. It's like that show, Unsolved Mysteries, where at yes. the end you're hoping there's a resolution, but of course there's not because it's an unsolved mystery. Exactly. But if you've watched the new version on Netflix, those are good. And yeah. um, after that premiered, all those cases are, I think, I think two of the cases got reopened. Oh, did they? Yeah. And people came flooding in with information. Yo, the, the Russians totally killed that guy. The guy that they found in the racquetball court, it was the Russians. Wait, what? 100%. Got, wait, what, what one was the racquetball court? I think it was the first episode. Am I drawing a blank? It was, it was the first episode of the Netflix series. And you remember it was that, it was that guy who like worked in like a, like an investment firm. Is the guy that fell off the building? Supposedly fell off the building. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Russians put him in there. And I've, I've got a whole theory on that. If you guys want to hear it, subscribe to our Unsolved Mysteries podcast. No, don't. We don't have one of those. Maybe we will. Zeitgeist spinoff? Maybe. Maybe we'll do a Zeitgeist spinoff. I need to hear from you guys. I need some feedback before we do any of these crazy Talk ideas I've us. got. Honestly, when's the last time you guys have talked to us on Twitter? When's the last time you called your mother? If you called your mother before you've spoken to us most recently, I'm very disappointed in you. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. I will, I will kill you. Okay. Oh, whoa. <laughs> not, not that far. But don't push it. Murder on the brain. Oh, it's a murder mystery. Uh... Just, just read the story. I don't I'm, want just, to give I'm just, away I'm just gonna okay. let you read the story. I'm gonna sit back and, and be quiet. Okay, so this is actually one of the stories that is like in a sleepy small town in Ohio, named mm. in Circleville, like the shape and then mm. the ville. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so without reading this article word for word, um, it's by this article is by the True Crime Times. Um, doesn't say her name, but she writes for the True Crime Times, and. This uh, is the story of the events that took place in Circleville, Ohio in 1976. I'm so excited. All right. In 1976, Circleville re residents started receiving oddly sinister handwritten letters in the mail. The troubled author of what? I don't know. <laughs> oh, the, the troubled author of these letters knew details about each of these persons' lives that they shouldn't known and claimed to be watching them. So these people were getting these letters um, so, and all, like all these random people about specific events in their lives that they shouldn't know about. So and this guy's the stalker that stalkers aspire to be. He didn't stalk just one person. He stalked a whole town of Circleville, Ohio. It wasn't like everyone in the town, but it was a lot of people. Like enough a lot people. of people. Enough people that this was getting disturbing. It's like, um, But there was one person in particular that was getting these letters that was... Uh, particularly startling um it what and this happened in the summer of 1977 her name was mary gillespie she was a school bus driver and was stunned when she opened one of these letters from an anonymous person accusing her of having an affair with a gordon massey who was the superintendent of the school that she drove the bus for oh and he knew all the details conflict of interest mm -hmm. so the author of this letter warned mary that if she kept that if she, uh, that he's been keeping an eye on her at home and at work, and that if she uh, and that she knew, uh, sorry, that the writer knew that she had a family and a husband uh, and children at home, and he wrote in the letter that she demand that she end the affair, or she or he would make or they would make their life miserable, or they would go forward with this information. So he's like a vigilante stalker. Yes, and so here's one of the photos of the the letters. They are all very like blocky written, mm. literally like 
stalkery looking. It looks like when you're like, you know, learning to write. And they tell you, this is how you write capital letters. Yes. And it looks like that's just all he's ever done. So it looks like... Is this is this person actually seven years old? So they say... So one of the theories is the reason they look like this so they can't identify their handwriting. I guess that makes sense. So they they try to write it in that creepy big font that looks very intimidating. And people think that it's written this way on purpose. Mm. In order to not be like, that's, that's uh, Gemini Jenkins handwriting from down the road. Oh, Classic, classic Jenkins. Uh, that's a Jenkins prank. Good that's one, Jenkins. Good old Jenkins. Oh, he actually did kill someone, though. We should probably take him to jail. Yeah, but I told him to do it. Oh, you just told him to go to jail? <laughs> and he's just gonna he's gonna meet us there? That's fine. It's a sleepy town of Circleville, Ohio, so it's no big deal. <laughs> I meant I told him to kill the guy, not just go to Oh, Jenkins. wait, wait. You told him to... Oh. Well, hey, um, <laughs> I gotta be somewhere, but how about you head on down to jail, and I'll see you there later. <laughs> Jenkins, don't you pull a fast one on me now. You better get to jail. Jenkins, if you don't, I'm going to have to come find you again. And you'll get a stern talking to. <laughs> you get back um, in jail now. No, they're, 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 real, they're real people in danger here. I feel bad <laughs> making fun of it. Oh Circleville is actually a dangerous place, apparently. Yeah. So Mary, horrified, she kept the frightening letter from her husband, Ron, but she wasn't able to keep it under wraps for long. Soon, Ron, the husband, also started receiving letters from this mysterious author, Ooh. in which Ron was then informed of his wife's supposed affair with Massey. Yikes. So the letter, the letter written warned Ron that if he didn't inform the school board that his wife worked for, uh, but and if he didn't inform the affair of Mary and Massey, uh, they he would spread it around town. So they so the wife and the husband both agreed to keep the letters um, under wraps. And the wife at this point was still denying the affair ever took place. She says like this has never happened. Like I don't know where this guy's getting this because mm-hmm. like even once like the husband got those letters, she still denied it. She was still saying this. I'm not having an affair. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So after these initial letters came in, two weeks then passes, and the Gillespies were hopeful that there would be no more threatening letters after they just said, like, you know what, maybe these are just some kids playing a prank, and if we just ignore it, it'll go away, kind of thing. Right. But after two weeks, um, the the person behind these uh, letters started writing more, and more mm. started coming in. This time, threatening to go public with the alleged affair in the papers. And if Mary did not end her romp with Massey, the author promised to share this information on TV, radio, billboards, even take out local ads on every business and erect large billboards along the highway explaining the affair. Now, here's my question. How would he guarantee that it gets on the radio? Like, would he buy ad space on the radio and just in the, he'd be like, this woman is having an affair with the superintendent. This woman's having an affair with the superintendent. Like, that's, like, just how he spends his ad time, or what? Uh, and like today's he can't, sponsor. He can't tell what the radio, like, DJs are going to say, right? Well, like, me, I'm thinking, like, he would then, like, give that information to a radio DJ. Because this is the 70s. I guess that's so, true. So, I mean, radio was still very, very popular. Yeah. I mean, it's still very big, as big of a medium as TV was at the right. time. Right, that's true. That's true. Carry on. Uh, I, I'm not not poking holes in it. It is a real thing. No, it I'm makes just, sense. Like, I'm just curious about how he plans to do that. It's like, and today's sponsor, Mary, you slut. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, you better fess up. You slut. Mary, uh, you're I'm, not a slut. You're a wonderful yeah, woman. I apologize. I didn't actually uh, read that before I or said it out loud. Or is she a wonderful woman? Mm, let's find out more. So Mary and Ron decided it was time to share what was happening to them. So they then went to Ron's sister, Karen, to discuss it, and her husband, Paul Freshour. Fresh Hour. Fresh Hour. Uh, yes, Fresh Hour. Mm. only one inch. Not Fresh Shower, but Fresh Hour? Fresh Hour. Like, hey, it's the Fresh Hour. Oh, okay. A 97.2. Like, the, like the time of day when the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air would come on. The yeah. Fresh Hour. Yes. Yeah. Because, as we all know, it's a story all about how his life got turned upside down. Yeah. I'm not going to do the whole then, thing. I know the whole thing, but I'm not going to do the whole thing. And then, like, time. like took the taxi, and it was like, you, don't know, you don't know the words? No, I do. I'm just summarizing. Oh, uh, okay. Just so you know, he, he ended up going from West Philadelphia. Where he was born and raised. Where he was born and raised, and he spent most of his days on the playground, 
um, you know, just having fun. And then a couple of guys that really weren't, didn't have any business being in that neighborhood. No, they, they were really were, there to cause trouble. You could say they were up to no good. They were up to no good, and they they started making some trouble in that in that neighborhood area. And don't even get me started on his auntie. She got oh, yeah, so she, scared. She was really scared, and she told him that in, in fact it would probably be safest for you if you moved with your your aunt and your uncle. I apologize. This is mom got scared. His auntie didn't get scared. Oh no, you're right. He went to live with his auntie. In yeah, Bel-Air. yeah. His aunt and his uncle Bel. You're right. The mom got scared. Yeah. So he moved with the auntie and uncle Bel Air. Yeah. Yeah. Then he then really the full version of the song is that he took a plane because you're not going to take a cab from Philadelphia on I've always the East Coast that. all the way to Bel Air on the West Coast. So in the full version of the song, he actually did take a plane and then took a cab, but they shortened it for TV. And yeah. so you know, then he hails a cab. He hailed on the cab, um, and then I was broke. I paid a thousand dollars to drive all that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, and you know it, it it was it was a it was a funky cab, and uh, the license plate it was a. Uh, uh, and a personal license plate that was easy to identify. It said fresh, and there were some fuzzy dice in the mirror. Yeah, uh, that's dice. probably more detail than you need. Uh, but then he got to Bel Air, and uh, and he you know lived his new life. Yeah, and thus began. In summary, in fresh summary, Bel Air, and scene, and scene. <laughs> okay, so to uh, to recap real quick, Mary and Ron were like, "This is enough. We got to go talk to my uh, your sister Ron and her husband Paul." And Paul's sister, Paul, and Paul's sister. So they told basically Ron's family about mm-hmm. this and like, what do we do? So Mary had this gut feel, had this gut feeling of who it was. It was a fellow bus driver who was behind the letters mm. she, that, and she said that this man, uh, David Longberry, 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 he's the Longberry. rival of the Cushion the Berry, right, right, Long, the rival of the Cushionberry clan. <laughs> it's the Longberry clan, and they. Uh, at one point, the Longberries and the Cushionberries, there was a daughter from the Longberries and a, and a son from the Cushionberries that wanted to be together. They were called um, the Cushlongs. Yes, but it was <laughs> twas not to be so. And ever since then, there's been a feud between the Long and the Cushionberries. Yes, but then they realized they both had the name Berry. And True. then now they live together in harmony, and now they're the world's wealthiest uh, logistics employer. Have you never seen the trucks that say Longberry Shipping? I have not, but now I know. And then their tagline is, the cushiest ride for, uh, your, for your shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what cushion berries really are, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like when you just, you let a little bit out under your couch. Wait, a little, little bit of what out? Poopy? Yeah. Yeah, and then they become cushion berries. You're, you are officially a dad. That yeah, is very I know. True. I know. Yeah, it's the dadliest joke I've ever heard. The dadliest joke. I'd like to present you with this medal of dadliness. Oh, thank you, thank you. I've got some better. I've got some good dad jokes. I've said in my days. My my old college roommate said that he worships ramen because it was just one of his favorite foods. And I asked him what he was doing for ramen don, and he slapped me in the face, and I took that like a man. And you were like, worth it. It was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. Anyway, carry on. Okay. I'll, the dad jokes can come later. Yes, yeah, so it can come at the end. What really needs to, I really need to know what's going on with Mary. Yeah, yes. So um so they decided uh this they knew who, so Mary knew who it was or thought she knew who it was. So she they decided to um the to write a letter to David and tell him that they knew what he was doing and that he needed to stop cuz it was getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so several weeks passed without any new letters and Ron and Mary along with Ron's family that they told they were all like okay, it's over. No more letters. It's done. Uh, it appears they had been successful in scaring David into the point where he no longer bothered Mary and was no longer writing letters. Mm-hmm. So instead, after weeks, a large sign appeared in town claiming Massey, the, the superintendent, was now involved with the Gillespie's, Mary's 12-year-old daughter, in a sexually abusive relationship. What? So now this is there any truth behind any of these claims, or like we'll get to that. Okay. So now there's these big signs all around town uh, of these accusations. That I believe, because anyone will sell you a billboard for anything. That's they're really pretty cheap too. You can put literally anything on a billboard you want. Uh, Nobody's gonna stop you. Yeah. Does roadside advertising work? It just did. It. Yeah. Yeah. You can put that. You already bought an ad. I, you bought, check your bank account. Yep, it's empty. Yep, We're, the ad is already up. It's blank because you didn't tell us what to put on it, but you're paying for it. Yeah, guess what's up there? Oh, it's your penis. <laughs> how do we get why... a photo? How do we get a photo of your penis? You might ask. Well, let's just say 
someone in your family's a little bit loose with the camera. Yeah. And also, don't worry. We got this whole billboard space, but they can't see it. Yeah. It only takes up one corner. It's it's, it's honestly a single pixel. <laughs> oh, boy. You ever heard of a micro penis? This is a nano penis. <laughs> oh, that's so unfortunate. I bet that exists. You can use it to put... Put to, to reset the things in the little reset button. Oh my gosh, you can use it to get your SIM card out of your phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right, all right, we're done. We're done. We're done with that. Um, I apologize to anybody who might have that as a real condition. Donate um, to the Nano Penis real Relief Fund. They, it doesn't There's actually no help, help them. It just gives them a little bit of money to feel better about themselves. Or at least we say we're giving them money, but I just take it yeah. and I just spend it on... Anyway, anyway um, moving on. So uh, so these signs about the 12-year-old daughter in this relationship is insane, and it's it's very bad. It's not a good thing to do. Well, yeah. It's horrible. So this terrified the family, of course. Mm -hmm. And Ron, um, so Ron, and, and so it's not like this, this sign was up. So like this wasn't a big billboard. This is like um, back when they would post signs like on oh. billboards in the town, or they would post it on like restaurant windows. I see. So, but the thing is, these would show up almost, so they would go around, they'd rip them all down. They would show up back up almost every morning. Really? So Ron started getting up before like kind of the town woke up for the day and before his daughter went to school. So no one would see these and he didn't want his daughter to like be like, what is this? Mm -hmm. So he would go around town every morning and rip these signs down because they kept showing up mm -hmm. and they had no idea where they were coming from. So... Uh, Did they, he ever see anybody putting a sign up when he got up early to take him down? Not that it says. Okay. So um, at this point, this is all happening during the summer of 1977. So this is the next part of the article titled, The Escalation. It gets uh, worse. It gets worse. So on August 19th, 1977, this was the last straw for Ron. He had had it. So the phone rang and Ron answered. On the other end of the line was a sinister voice informing Ron that he knew his, what his truck looked like, where he lived. And Ron believed he recognized the voice and became so enraged, he grabbed his gun, kissed his daughter goodbye, and took off like a madman in his truck because he thought he knew who it was. A few short minutes later, Ron's truck was then found crashed at the end of the street with Ron dead behind the wheel. Dead from what? From um, the crash? So when Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe examined Ron's gun. They realized he, that he had fired a single shot right before the impact. He died from the impact, hmm. apparently. So, but because the shot didn't hit him, but his gun did fire a shot. But they could not find the bullet or the casing. Hmm. So he fired at somebody, and whoever it was was smart enough to take the casing with him. Right, but he only made it to bullet. the end of his like end of his street before oh, hitting something. So he wasn't even that far. No, he was not very far at all. And there were no witnesses at all? Like, nobody was, nobody in the neighborhood was around? Nobody heard the gun go off? Nope. Nope. Suspicious. So here's another interesting thing. So they did an autopsy, and they ran his blood alcohol level. It was 0.16. Over really? two times the legal limit. What? He was plastered. Seriously? Yes. Wow. So... Sheriff Radcliffe, before they did the autopsy, thought there was foul play involved. Mm -hmm. But then they changed their mind to an accidental death uh, based on the blood alcohol content that they I mean, found. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. So, except, however, the Gillespie family were like, that's bullshit. Ron didn't drink. Well, he this never... might have driven him to drink. Exactly. That's, that was what I was thinking, mm. too, when I read this. Like, if you're going, if this is happening for, like, months at a time. Yeah. I mean, it drive me to drink. Not going to lie. And the thing is, like, also, if he's already not a drinker and all of a sudden he picks up drinking, that alcohol is going to hit him a lot harder. True. he's not a typical yeah, he, drinker. He doesn't have the enzymes built up to, so, to build tolerance. If, he, if he's drinking a lot, he's no wonder his blood alcohol is going to be so high because mm -hmm. his blood's like, what is this? Yeah. His blood is like, this is not juice. I thought we were having juice. Yeah. But now I just want more of whatever this is. Yeah. And this has changed. I've, his blood was like, I became a man today. Yeah. My blood has little beards on every cell. I know. It's like, now I know. My eyes have been opened. I see the light. I am. Let's get crunk. An alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> but so they were like, 
so the family was like, that's not Ron. He was killed. This is not, he didn't do this. Like he, hmm. he was not a drinker. Like I'm not going to accept that this was that this didn't have foul play involved. So, so Sheriff Radcliffe claimed a person of interest had been grilled out about the odd nature of in which Ron died. But he passed a polygraph test, so Sheriff Radcliffe dismissed him as a suspect. So this was the person that Ron was going to go confront, mm. but then didn't. So they talked to him, but he said he passed a polygraph. Which is then, apparently not foolproof. No. But they didn't know that in 76. So. No, they did not. Yeah. And this is before, like, DNA and anything. So Right, yeah, they had, they had nothing to go off Which of. Which sucks. That's just, we talked about that in a different episode, but like that's like that uh, that John Mulaney joke. Right, where he's just like, yeah. you know, like a detective back in like the, you know, the nineteen twenties or whatever. And it's just like, we found we found a bunch of the victims or of the of the killer's blood in the hallway. And he goes, hmm, gross. Now back to my hunch. Because <laughs> like they had like nothing like he couldn't do anything with that, you know? <laughs> or like like he said it was crime was so easy that people used to like like write the name of their gang in bullets in the wall. It's like, well, were bullets free back then? And like, also, <laughs> you're having to tell people, hey, I did this. I want you to know I did this because you won't ever figure it out. Well, because it's crazy. I watched a Forensic Files a long time ago, and they yeah. did an episode on the first person to be convicted mm. of DNA. Mm. And they're like, yeah, this dude left blood, semen, sweat, hair, <laughs> fingerprints, <laughs> everything. He's like, everything. I'll never catch me. And they're like... They just like take one look. It was Ron. You're right. <laughs> just the whole the whole place is just filled with blood, semen, and puke. Like can and you you're just like, hmm, I think we got something here, boys. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine? It's like, we got you. I left no evidence. As a matter of fact, you left every evidence. You left like, every evidence. Here's a crime scene photo. It's splattered all over the walls. Like, it, he's like, what do you mean? There's this thing called DNA. And he's yeah. like, I'm a, it's gotta, you gotta feel awful if you're the first criminal to be like convicted of this, of this, of, of DNA. He's like, yeah. oh. It's like, well, sir, oh. you took a dump in the corner before you left, and that was good enough for us. And then you wrote your name and social on the wall. <laughs> why did you in do that? In your feces? Yeah, in poop. I don't see why you felt the need to do that. Also, you drew a little map that leads us to your house with a little X to let us know, and then you wrote the time of day that you would be home. Um, really, sir, I don't think you thought this through at all. In fact, you thought it through pretty well, just for the wrong reason. And then you wrote that you're a Virgo? Why? He's like, oh, no, I'm, that's supposed to say virgin. Oh. Yeah. That explains the... Mm, that explains... It, it okay. all makes that a lot more sense the semen. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Okay. What what happened after Ron died? That's what I want to know. So Ron died, and there the family's like, hell no, he was not drunk, but he was drunk. So shortly after his death, the Circleville residents began receiving more letters in the mail. Uh-huh. More residents did. This time, they were accusing Sheriff Radcliffe of covering up the true nature of Ron Gillespie's death. Wait, what? So the guy writing the letters wasn't even the one that killed him? Nope. But the letters also accused the sheriff of mishandling an investigation into a Pickaway County coroner, Dr. Ray Carroll, who had been accused of sexual abuse of children. And that Dude. the sheriff was knowingly covering this up. I actually like this guy. This guy writing the letters. This is yeah. stuff that people need to know. Circleville, more like it's all going to come back to you. Yeah. Ville. This guy is like the, the low-tech version of Anonymous. Oh, yeah. Like, this is before. This is like, I know everything. And I'm writing yeah. these letters. Yeah. And Mad respect so far. Mad respect. Unless you killed Ron. That's not cool. But if you didn't. Uh, some believe that he was so drunk that he probably was... Um, he had his gun in his hand when he was driving and when he hit, it pulled the trigger oh. or he was like, so drunk he's like, I'm going to go get him Woo! and shot in the air kind of thing. Oh, so they, so a possible. lot of people do think that he did die of a drunk driving accident yeah, because he was, been he was sloshed. Apparently he so. He was so drunk. Yeah. So like he thought. I've never been that drunk. <laughs> if I have been, I don't remember. Right. I don't think I've ever been drunk enough to just go and grab a gun and fire off a shot into the air and then drive my truck. No, but I've been around people who were drunk with a gun and it was terrifying. Wait, seriously? Yeah, you were there. Wait, when was this? It was at your bachelor party. Oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. And we're like out in the woods too. We didn't know where to go, dude. No witnesses. No, that was scary. He also had a machete. 
Yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. And he, we don't need to share any more details of that story, but Yeah. That no, that is scary, yeah. And he was the only one drinking too. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I was like, I'm gonna st- I need to stay alert. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, I think we're good. You can you can keep your flask. It's fine. Keep your flask. In fact, let me see it real quick. I just dump it all out and just put yeah. like water in yeah, there. Yeah, fill it with water. And he's just like, whoa, I'm so drunk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you are. Sure, yep. yep. Fill it with just margarita mix. No Heavy tequila. <laughs> no tequila, just margarita mix. Just straight sugar. It's just sugar water. Ugh. And lime. Okay. Back to the story. Back to the story. Mary's sister-in-law, Karen, and her husband, of course, the Paul the Fresh Hour, uh, mm-hmm. separate, the, they, Karen and Paul, separated uh, mm. after... Karen found out Paul was cheating. Um, no, sorry. Karen was cheating on Paul. Oh, no. So this wasn't Mary and like the... These uh, hoes ain't loyal, man. No, all these people have All gotten, of Circleville. Everybody's doing it with everybody else. Every, What's going this on? This is just one of those like sleepy little towns where everyone's got those dark secrets. Yeah, swinger town, apparently. Mm-hmm. So Karen moved out of the house and now lived in a trailer in Mary Gillespie's backyard. Hmm. So... The next, now we're on to uh, chapter three. What's really going on here? So the barrage of threatening letters received by the Gillespie family started with a revelation. Uh, The quote from the letter, I know you're having an affair with the superintendent. Mary, uh, Mary Gillespie denied these allegations, but after Ron died, she then admitted to having the affair. Man, I'll say it again. But she claimed that the affair only started after the letters came and she claimed the letters drove them together. Nope. I'll say it again. These hoes ain't loyal. Yeah, that's like, uh uh-huh, you had to wait until your husband was dead to say this and you won't even admit to the fact that you were already doing it. Like, there's no way that these threatening letters would have driven me to romance. No, that's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. No, it's it's ridiculous. But that's, that's the claim she made. But there's no way to uh, say for sure if she was telling the truth. But I think we can agree that it is beyond strange that they would start sleeping together uh, after being warned not to. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, like, there's the whole, like, oh, it's forbidden love kind of thing. But, like, you that that you don't start off that way, right? Yeah, that's, like, why would he accuse her of that and be like, I'll go public with it and be like, okay, well, we better do what he says. We better start having an affair. Yeah, I like, know. If, if it's not true, then these letters hold no weight yeah. to it. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust... Uh, See, the only thing that it. gets concerning is when they brought up the 12-year-old girl. And I think that's... The, and that that's, is very concerning. Because that's the thing is... Uh, that's Because the reason is, she... Ron was informed of the affair, but she, uh, they didn't, like, get... They didn't break up or anything, and they just ignored the letter. So that makes me give me a, like the little inkling of doubt that maybe it's true maybe she wasn't having the affair but whenever they brought the daughter into it maybe ron going crazy started drinking and so she went to the superintendent um, in order to ask for advice and that mm. turns into a blossoming romance where he's like i'm here for you baby embrace me and the school's locked after hours dim lights candles rose petals why would all that be there to to win her heart but that means that he was actively pursuing this woman. It wasn't like it just happened. Well, so just that saying, means they were having. Well, I'm an saying affair. like maybe like they confronted the the superintendent. He was just dude. like, oh, you walked in on me on rose petal day, you know, with dim lights and a camera and <laughs> a camera. I'm assuming. I don't know. This guy sounds like kind of a sicko, so maybe. Well, either way, either that, way. I, that's it. Makes me think that it could be possible, but most likely not. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. But. It doesn't get. It doesn't end there. It only gets worse. Okay. It gets worse from here. Well, I guess I should expect that. So over time, a campaign of harassment continued. More and more signs began appearing along the side along the side of the road on Mary's bus route. And on February seventh, nineteen eighty three, Mary decided she had enough. She hopped out of her bus and went to one of the signs to rip it down. But this was no ordinary sign. Luckily, she came close and saw there was a box attached to the pole holding the sign, and inside of the box was a small pistol, and this pistol was booby-trapped to the sign that when the sign was pulled down, the gun would have fired, killing the person pulling it down. What? Mm Mm-hmm. 
This guy's not so cool anymore. No. Man, I don't know. I can't trust anybody about anything in this town. Never go to Circleville. Nope. Never go to Circleville. Never go to... Never go to Seagullville either. Never go to Seagullville. Too many seagulls. Poop on you. Yeah, they poop all over. Ugh, gross. We've been talking about poop way too much. Next episode, no more poop talk. No more poop talk. Deal. Okay. So, it was booby-trapped. And fortunately, Mary noticed this before she ripped the sign down. And the gun never went off. The police then examined the gun, and they were able to trace it back to the owner, Paul Freshour. (gasps) Mary's ex-brother-in-law. It was Paul the whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, they think so. I was expecting the big the big reveal I was expecting was Ron. He was never dead. No, but that it was his gun and that oh. and that he actually had been the one not ripping down the signs necessarily, but putting them up. <gasps> and somebody else was ripping them down. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Greg, you have a very good talent for predicting things. Wait, seriously? Uh you're close. I'll okay. say this. You're close. I was close on Kanye Quest too, and I wish I wasn't. Yeah, you're always really good at predicting I, how these are gonna turn out. I guess so. I don't know. I just, One day maybe, I'll maybe, throw you for a loop. Maybe I should be a detective. Maybe I should be like a you know, like a Sherlock Holmes consulting detective kind of thing. They'll it's be not, like, We have DNA thing. evidence, it was this man. I think mm-hmm. it was you, detective! Yeah, he's like, what, me? And I take down the whole agency. And then you're like, you've been everywhere the murder has. Investigating! Mm-hmm. It's the perfect cover. Yeah, and you also have a bag of the victim's hair in an evidence bag, Charleston. Let me see your semen. So I can compare with the victims. Here's some magazines. All right, compare with the killers. Now go go get some and bring it back. I'll, I trust you. Wait. Not enough, to, not enough to not think you're a murderer, but I trust you enough to do that on your own. You know and what? Just, when we're done here, meet me at the jail. <laughs> go to jail. Jenkins? Yeah. It's like, I made you Jenkins back to jail. <laughs> go back. Come on. I, we've talked about this. All right. Okay, but I, I do want to hear what happened. This is actually super fascinating, so okay. I want to hear, hear more. So it belonged to Paul, and everyone's like, one, dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Karen was living with Mary on her property in the backyard in a trailer. So she did have suspicions that her ex-husband might have been threatening with the letters because he was like, um, he's very distraught that his wife was cheating. So he's like, I want revenge kind of thing. Mm. And so he's- Wait, but who sent him the letter? Oh, Paul never got letters. Oh, he didn't. Okay. I- I think, yeah. I don't yeah, think I, Paul... thought, I thought I thought they split up because he got a letter saying his wife was cheating, or did he just find out? No, they just uh, no, they found out. Okay, it okay. was a normal like, oh my god, I because I was gonna you. say like that's a whole other layer to this. No, like the, he they they split up because he found out that she was already cheating. It yeah, wasn't I did. Because of okay, letters. all right. So um, Paul, so Mary took uh, the information to Sheriff Radcliffe uh, about their suspicions of Paul since it was his gun that was in the booby trap. So they also did a. Um, handwriting test for Paul to try and replicate or to like to see if it matched the letters. Mm. Um, but so when the sheriff asked Paul where they kept his gun, uh, Paul said they showed him it was kept in a box in the garage and he ex- he explained that his gun has been stolen once before. Uh, two men... Um, so they... two that has been stolen once before so it's possible it could have been stolen again. He's got to be more careful with his gun. So one, if it's gotten stolen, how do you get it back? Right, and why didn't he lock it up at that point if it's easy to steal? I don't know. I guess he couldn't afford a safe. Um, well, he couldn't buy one because he kept all the money in the safe. So he mm. couldn't buy another safe for the gun because all his money was in the safe. With the gun. With the gun. Hmm. Paul's kind of dumb. Yeah. It was Colonel Mustard yeah. in the hall with a candlestick. <laughs> yeah. I win. You win. Well um, done. Blah, blah, blah. Paul was, uh, was arrested. Uh, and charged with the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie uh, for the booby trap. So on October 24th, 1983, Paul Freshour went on trial. He wasn't charged. He was not charged with writing the letters because, um, but they did, they became a crucial piece of evidence against him. Still only 39 of the letters were allowed into evidence, which means there were a lot of letters. Mm. Um, The handwriting expert took to the stand to tell the jury that the handwriting on the letters did match Paul's. Ah, Mary also took to the stand and testified that she started to believe the writers were written, were written by Paul after Karen shared her own suspicions with her. Although Paul's boss testified that Paul wasn't at work that day, he still had a solid alibi for the day uh, the booby trap was set up. Uh, for most of the day, and never took the stand. He never took the stand to de- on his own defense. He 
would go on to kick himself for not testifying. In the end, he was convicted of attempted murder. Well, it sounds and like to prison. Yeah. Uh, so years later, he was interviewed and he said this. I can't blame the jury because the jury didn't hear all the evidence, but I just couldn't believe it. I was really in shock. Paul received the maximum sentence of 25 years. Really? Mm-hmm. Dang. Everyone in, in Circleville assumed that Paul, behind bars, this nightmare would end. But oh, were they wrong. Oh, were they wrong. Paul, being behind bars, did not stop the letters. They kept coming. So, hmm. they kept coming. In the, so, they just kept coming and coming, and they didn't slow down. In fact, they were coming at an alarming rate now. Hmm. So, uh, there's a quote from a journalist um, who from Circleville. They said, they were being received all over a large area of central Ohio, so not even just Circleville now. Really? Everywhere, about details about all these people's lives. So a lot of people couldn't understand how Paul Freshour could be mailing all these letters from prison. A new batch of letters, including allegations of the prosecutor in the case, Roger Klein, the letter writer also promised to dig up the grave of a deceased baby and mail the bones to the police if they didn't look into the prosecutor Klein for allegedly playing a role in the murder of a pregnant school teacher that he got pregnant. What the heck? Yeah. Never go to Circleville. This is insane. Jeez. So, according to the letter, he impregnated the teacher and then killed her. The prison was so mystified by these letters, as was everyone else, the staff had done everything they could to keep Paul from writing and sending letters. They put him in solitary confinement. Every ingoing and outgoing mail would then be checked before coming to him or being sent out. And But the letters didn't stop showing up. Wow. The, the prison warden concluded that there's no way Paul could have been writing the letters. In fact, Paul got a letter himself. Did he really? Yes. Oh, man. This is juicy. However, this letter is very cryptic and weird. I will read it for you now. So all of these, every time I, so these are all separated. The only punctuation in this is colons in between each sentence in each That's statement. Weird. It's very weird here. This is what it looks like. Oh, it's a little weird. bit different type of handwriting, but it makes it look like there's other people involved. Mm. It says, now, where are you going to believe that you aren't going to get out of there? I told you two years ago, when we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all? Do you believe it now? Do you? Ha ha. The sheriff loved it. Great news. I saw the paper. The joke is on you. Ha ha. Tell no one of this. That reads like a Donald Trump tweet. It really does. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I can't fully understand what any of that means. I don't know. But it makes it seem like there's more than one person involved in this. It does, doesn't it? Also, we a lot. My theory, real quick to this, is that if the... So this guy's convicted and the trial is public, it could have spawned copycats. Easily. True. And that's why the letters started spreading across central Ohio. Yeah, that's why I think that people are like, oh... I'm just going to... People copycat creepy people all the time, weirdly. Mm -hmm. uh, it could have been copycats easily. It was the 70s. They couldn't know any better. Um, but Paul, according to the guards, was a model prisoner for seven years, and he even became eligible for parole. But the board rejected his request because people kept receiving harassing letters, and they were thinking it was from him. But how? They monitored all his mail. But it didn't matter. The prison warden concluded that it was impossible for Paul to send them, but they refused to grant his parole request because of the letters. So I Paul was really upset by this. But the, and here's the, but here's the weird thing. So Paul was in a prison in Lima, Ohio. All of the letters were postmarked from Columbus, Ohio. So he clearly did not write these letters. No. And someone else was working with him in some way. So, Paul Freshour remained in prison af even after a witness came forward to say that approximately 20 minutes before Mary discovered the booby-trapped sign along the road, another bus driver saw an El Camino parked at the very same intersection. Next to the car stood a large man, a large white man with sandy, sandy blonde hair who turned around and acted like he was going to the bathroom when he spotted the bus 
driver observing him. So he was like pulled off on an intersection and was like literally pissing. Mm. So they're like, I guess that means something. But he I was guess. there 20 minutes before the sign was was there. The sign wasn't there when this was bleh, when this person came by. The man did not resemble Paul Freshour in any way, but the police did everything they can to follow up and find this man, but they could not. Finally, in May of 1994, after spending 10 years in prison, Paul was paroled. He maintained his innocence the entire time and was he was incarcerated and continued to maintain his innocence until he died in 2012 at the age of 70. Sucks. It does. And interestingly, the letters did stop in 1994 after he was released. Weirdly. That is weird. So, what is happening now after all this? So, Roger Klein, the gross prosecutor about the pregnant murder lady. Yeah, yeah. The prosecutor... Did they they, they ever receive the baby bones in the mail? No, they never got those. They they think that was a bluff. Okay. They think I was just being, like, crazy. Because that's pretty effed up, dude. Yeah, but, like, I think, like, this... That's why they also think it was written by someone else, because they're like, that's a little extreme. Mm -hmm. And also, they didn't have any evidence to back that up. Mm. Um, But according to this, the prosecutor who put Paul behind bars, Roger Klein was investigated based on the allegations they got from the letters of the pregnant teacher that he murdered in his career. According to one account of the Circleville letter writer, uh, the police investigated the allegations and spoke with the parents of the deceased baby that the letter writer threatened to dig up. Although their silence was requested, a couple spoke out to an Ohio TV station and confirmed all of the allegations on Roger Klein are correct. So these aren't just like someone just saying this. Yeah, it's like real. These have... This guy really did some horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, these uh, this claim was not very um, this claim isn't very solid. So the author of this article says, "I haven't been able to find this claim anywhere else. Like it hasn't been documented. There's only been like one anonymous tip hmm. back in the '90s about this, and that's really it. So they don't know if there was ever a dead pregnant teacher or a teacher or a baby or anything. They they're not sure." They think someone maybe just was saying this, so they don't. It's not a super solid, super super solid evidence. Mm. Um. Bah, bah, bah. So, but however, the the letter writer was correct about the sheriff, though how he was covering up for the coroner and he was abusing several children. This was found to be correct. He was abusing children, and the sheriff did cover it up what? because the sheriff was purposely trying to lower crime rates so he could become could be put on the sheriff on uh like a board of, sh- of directors for sheriff in the state of of like Come state on, police man. officer like he was purposely hiding crimes so he he let this this child molester continue to do what he did yes. just so he can get promoted yes wow yes and but in 1993 the doctor the 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 sexual abuser was charged with 12 counts of sexual abuse um eight of them eight of these accounts involved pornography and indecent exposure in public like this is insane yeah that's disgusting yeah um also do you remember david longberry the original person yeah there? yeah yeah the longberries yeah the longberries he's back here the co-worker who came uh the other bus driver um mm-hmm. mary and ron were initially suspected of him well longberry was then was later in 1999 forcibly uh, convicted of rape of an 11 year old girl and became a fugitive on the run after he was convicted all these people are child molesters and why is everybody a child molester and rapist and adulterer in circleville i don't know it's this is it's grossing me out honestly uh now the same source says now another source says that roger klein did in fact murder a school teacher and it also stated that Longberry committed suicide while he was on the run. However, they weren't able to find any solid evidence of this. And Longberry has still been on the run since 2005. I don't like that. That's an old man on the run. Yeah. Like a 60-year-old man. Hey, you're trying to get away. Yeah, I know. He can't run very fast and they still can't catch him. No. Nope. Um, Cl- uh, Klein is listed as a... Um, Klein uh, is dead. Roger Klein, the attorney, is mm-hmm. deceased, and he was labeled as a sex offender. Mm. Um, but was Paul the uh, writer of the letters? Was he the original writer of these letters? I don't know. Well, 
Paul, after he was got out of prison, started his own website in which he lays out the case from his perspective in a case for his innocence and addresses numerous conspiracy theories surrounding the letters. Um, the author of this article says he has a hard time taking it seriously uh, because under the heading of the website is says facts that can be confirmed. And Freshour writes on his website, I believe that the, obsc the obscene, threatening, and dangerous letters that were concealed uh, were concealed because they would interfere with Sheriff Radcliffe becoming the National Sheriff's Association president. See the date of the letters and the date of his involvement with the National Sheriff's Association. Blech. It's a tongue twister. Mm -hmm. the, t the crime rate in Pickaway County at that time would have eliminated from eliminated him from this appointment. So they think that this person um, was threatening these people uh, to handle these own... They think sh the sheriff, I believe, was part of these letters in order to get people to stop doing their crimes. or Just they would... for long enough that he could get promoted. Yes. Hmm. That makes sense. Um, so the thing is, a lot of people don't believe Ron that much because this is all his opinion. But mm -hmm. he, his website's still up. You can always um, look at it. Uh, so there's a lot more, but I don't want to get too much into it because it's kind of all just speculation. Uh, however, bah, bah, bah. so Ron Gillespie, yeah, he believed it was uh, it was Longberry who was writing these letters and calling the family home all the time. So one day he finally, they believed that he drowned in enough liquid courage to confront Longberry. He had the car accident, an actual accident, but it does not explain why he fired off a shot of his gun. All the posts, everything points out that he was sloshed enough. They, they use the word sloshed. Ah, oh, okay. That he could have fired out the window in anger, but not at anyone in particular. His family said Ron wasn't a drinker, so he could have been drunker than a skunk with a BAC of 0.16. Which is high. Yes, it's very high. Um, after Paul and Karen, another theory is that after Paul and Karen, Paul and Karen divorced, Karen started erecting the signs around town and eventually set up a booby trap in order to frame Paul. Oh, interesting. Um, Paul got custody of the house and the kids in the divorce. So Karen, being pissed, had a reason to get revenge, but she was trying to pin it on Paul was trying to get revenge on Karen for cheating. However, uh, it's and Martin Yant. I don't know who he is, but yeah, I think I it's another I think it's another relative. Uh, they described Karen as a very, very, very angry and manipulative woman who is still planting negative stories about Paul into the early 1990s. Wow. Uh, Karen is further connected to the case by the El Camino that was spotted at the intersection where Mary found the booby trap sign. Karen's boyfriend and eventual second husband looked at this, looked exactly like the sandy-haired man observed at the intersection. She had a relative who owned that, who owned a El Camino. So they think it might have been her her boyfriend. I think, yeah, Karen might have been behind most of it. And also, they found out later that a lot of the letters were not handwritten, but written with a special typewriter meant to look like handwriting. So this could have been, that could have been written by anyone. Yeah. And and poor poor Paul, if he wasn't involved. His handwriting just happened to look a lot like this typewritten but, uh, script. Yes, and here's the thing: Paul Karen asked Paul's sisters if she, asked Paul's sister if she could borrow that very typewriter. Paul, wait, wait. Why didn't Paul say something if he knew of this typewriter? When they asked him to compare his handwriting, why wasn't he like, "Hey, that looks a lot like my sister's typewriter, like the script on my sister's typewriter." Because Paul um, didn't know that she had it. He mm. didn't know his sister even okay. owned the typewriter. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, makes, that makes a difference. The, this was during the time of the divorce when Karen asked for the typewriter. Uh, they, they found it odd that she would want one of Paul's items. He assured that his sister that Paul was okay with it. Okay, so yeah. So she didn't... Paul's sister didn't want to give Karen the typewriter, but she said that during the divorce, Paul said it was okay for her to have it. Um, but she, uh, relented, but let her have it anyway. Not so coincidentally, there was a typewriter in used for some of these letters that were written. Um, during the same time of the divorce, these letters started showing up that were written by the typewriter. Mm. If they checked the post dates. Um, 
but they'll never know for sure who wrote all the letters, but they they believe Karen wrote some and Paul wrote some and David wrote some. They think everyone just started writing letters. Everybody, but so that means that David wrote them first. They believe to David Mary. started this. Right. And then Paul and, and Karen were like, we could do that. But I think they think David dropped out of the picture after they threatened him and he was done. That makes sense because they went quiet for a while. Yes, but once they confronted, uh, they told, because remember the first people they told were Karen and Paul. You're right. So they think right. after they told David to stop, they picked up the slack. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Like, why would they threaten? They were just angry people going through a divorce and wanted to feel powerful, I guess. I don't but like, know. I don't, because that's the thing. Like, people think that that's what happened, but they don't know what they would have gotten out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I really, I don't see the benefit. I mean, Paul's life was ruined. Yeah, that, and, I uh, mean, Karen's life was ruined because she never got custody. She's moved to a trailer. Yeah, they both kind of did it to themselves if they were the ones that did it. I mean, and then there's there's just a lot of pieces to this. I was like, this is a very long story, but I wanted mm. to cover this because it's so interesting. It's, it's so many so pieces. Interesting. It's so many pieces that you just don't know what could have possibly happened. I like. I I genuinely like I I don't know. There's so many different possibilities here. None of which make any sense as far as motive, because nobody actually benefited from this. Everybody's lives just fell apart. So, I think they're. I think the only one that makes sense is David. Um, is David trying to was mad at Mary because he took a pass at Mary and she said no. Right. But then he found out she was having an affair. So he's like, well. Why is she having an affair with this yeah, guy? Yeah, why won't she have an affair with me? And people believe that he took a pass at Mary because he, he already knew about the affair and thought she would do it as well because she's already having an oh. affair. What's one more? Hmm. I see. Can you imagine juggling three men in your life? I, I can't imagine juggling one man in my life. Even. I just don't have the upper body strength. No, it's very difficult. Men are heavier than women. Yeah, On but average. You, I can juggle the... The tiny person that we're putting... What's it? Oh, James Earl Jones. No, uh, yeah, the little, little James Earl Jones. I could, I could juggle him probably. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, though. That was... I mean, I learned a lot about Circleville, Ohio, and I guess Ohio in general. Ohio's a weird and state, I dude. think... Yeah, I think... Um, my family lives in Ohio. My, you know, my streak of not going to Ohio, I think I can continue it and sleep just fine at night. Yeah, you're good. There's a lot of Amish people in Ohio. Well, the Amish people don't bother me. It's, no, it's but It's all like, these weirdos and sex addicts and child molesters Ugh. oh my god I, it make it really grosses me out it makes yep. me sick honestly yep like, why i why i i i, I just i genuinely have i mean i can't even i have no words and this is rare i usually have words i don't have any words right it's now it's disgusting but this yeah. is a very good way to break in the month of october or whenever this episode come out might be the middle of october yeah um but it's a good spooky probably mystery that really yeah. gets you thinking it, it does get me thinking and it's definitely spooky and there's so many questions so what do you guys think we want to hear from you yeah leave your theories if you know any more information or other sources i'll leave a link to this article if um, any of you lived in circleville ohio in 1977 what was written about you share your letters share your darkest secrets to everyone or at least give it to us, and then we'll share it with everyone. Yeah, we'll put you as our sponsor. Yeah. Find us on Cameo. You know what Cameo is? I don't know what Cameo is. It's an app where um, you can pay celebrities to, like, say things. Do can, do you, How do they determine if you're a celebrity or not? Can we qualify to be on Cameo? They, they know if you're a celebrity. Very big-name celebrities are on there. That doesn't mean that the zeitgeist can't also be on there. Yeah. We'll be the cheapest ones. 10 I, cents and we'll say honestly, whatever you I, want. Honestly, I think anyone can set up an account. I think. I've never it's used just it. Nobody cares if Nick and Greg from Texas are, are you know, reading off their voicemail oh. message. Um, but I know I know Gary Busey's on there, though. That's fun. Yeah, and he says things that He probably that charges a lot. He does. Yeah. Um, Flava Flav's on there. I would totally have Flava Flav uh, in my voicemail. I think T-Pain's on there, too. Man. Did you know T-Pain put out a single about Animal Crossing? No, really? It's called Nook's Bells. I got to check out I got to check out T-Pain's new single then. It's like a chill like a chill hip hop song. Yeah. It's not bad and it's got Animal Crossing sound effects in the back. It's pretty I good. I mean, T-Pain's a talented dude. He gets a lot of flack for the autotune, but he was kind of 
he was kind of put into that because that well, was the, the thing, thing is, at the time. Well, the thing is, I think for like people like uh, T Pain, he didn't use it to like in like a dumb way. Like he can't sing, so he like slightly enhances it with auto tune. Like he went full in, crank auto tune to a hundred. Like that's right. He, the he thing made it, it a genre. Yeah, he made that his thing, which yeah. I think is. Cool, because he's I like, oh, I want to stand out. Yeah. I'm going to make this my thing. Right, and Rather he actually than, like, can sing fairly well. Yeah, but yeah. like he wanted to do that because he would stand out. Yeah. But other people like use it in secret, like, oh, I'm auto-tuning my voice, and then you hear them live, and they're like, wow, this guy sucks. Yeah, Taylor Swift. Ooh. Don't, no, I it's mean, okay, I don't like Taylor Swift. Yeah, I was going to say, don't even, don't even try. You've heard her live. Every one of you out there has heard a, at least a recording of her live. You know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend that she's the best singer. I mean, sure, she's she's a fine songwriter. They're you know they're a little repetitive. Oh, she doesn't write her own songs anymore. Oh, she doesn't. No way. Take back all those damn Grammys then, because <laughs> she's not even a good enough musician for him. I, I gave her credit as a songwriter, even though I'm not. It's not my personal hey, hold taste. On, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna let you finish. Beyonce yeah. had the best Gosh. music video of all time. Gosh. All right, all right. On that note, I think we can end it. We've gone we've gone over an hour with this one, but yeah. thank you guys for listening. I hope you learned something. I definitely did. Yeah. Uh, in this episode and think about subscribing and giving us five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Are we, we're not even on Stitcher, are we? Uh, we're on Stitcher. Okay, Stitcher, if we're SoundCloud, not, wherever I apologize. You're, yeah, just... wherever you're listening to us, give us a review. It really does help and it means that we can keep on doing this and sharing more interesting stuff with you mm-hmm. for the future. Tell your friends um, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in the next episode. Yeah, see you later. Bye.